Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The been thinking about McDonald's all day. Can't get it off my mind. I can already taste it. Ooh, got my mind on my mouth and my mouth ready for some Mickey D's deal. There's a deal for every moment at McDonald's. Right now, get two of your favorites for just $3.50. Mix and match a classic McChicken, a hot and spicy McChicken, or a juicy McDouble. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Single item at regular price. Hello, my name is Dave Hanrady and there will be no Encore. Welcome to episode number 11 of the No Encore podcast. A uh, bit of a packed house today. Uh, we're joined by my regular co-host, Craig Fitzpatrick. What's up, man? Ancelotti. That's, that, oh, yeah. It's getting a bit better, isn't Given, it? Yeah, well, yeah. Football, it's fine. Uh, Cullum O'Regan. How's it going? And joined by Funeral Suits members, Dara. Hello. Mick. Hello. And there's some extra members in the background who might make some noise now and shout. There's, there's pressure on today, recording in front of a live studio. <laughs> we have an actual audience, yeah. So a few of are in the building. How are you doing, guys? Good, thank you, man. Fantastic. How's every little thing on this very humid day? It's good. Yeah. It's, it's very warm in here, isn't it? It's very it, warm It's warm even when it's cold outside, just because of like, the soundproofing and stuff. It's so it's kind of like we should all be in towels and just... We should do that. Let's it's do kind that. of our old gentleman's club, sauna Toga. style thing. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll do that. We'll, we'll take off that. some clothes. <laughs> uh, before we got here, we were uh, having a point nearby, and we were talking about seagulls and how they can be a bit of a menace. Right. And uh, the suits told some very harrowing tales of seagulls. We've been tormented. We've been tormented by seagulls. <laughs> They're dicks. Really? You actually got properly tormented by a seagull? We, we were followed. But we witness people being tormented, so it feels like we're the witness of tormentation. You see, the reason that this is quite entertaining is that I once went out in with like a seagull. With a seagull. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, it, 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 it was it, it was, was a weird shit relationship. Yeah, she was a bit flighty. Yeah, I suppose. Oh. No, I went out. That's in, it for this week, yeah. folks. <laughs> I, I went out in full protective gear and a load of bait, trying to be attacked by a seagull. 
for a piece in Hot Press Magazine. And it was entirely unsuccessful. Like, I just turned into kind of a Pied Piper style thing for pigeons who just trailed me for the breadcrumbs. But, like, I, I literally stood in the middle of Temple Bar holding an ice cream like the Statue of Liberty with the torch. In a hazmat suit. Yeah. And nothing. Nothing. You would have had no problems in Brighton. <laughs> Apparently so, yeah. Amazing yeah, city for uh, seagulls wanting to attack people. Fair enough. If, if, if it ever comes up again, in the unlikely event that we decide to yeah. run a part two to that report. The fact the first one even ran is baffling. I mean, not to give it like any industry secrets out, but didn't you have to kind of like Photoshop in like pictures of seagulls into like, no, To be honest, I don't think we even went that far. I don't think we bothered with the Photoshop in the end. Did it the, go to print? Like, yeah, yeah, there? yeah. I guess, so, I, I guess was, it, was this whole article just it didn't happen pretty much yeah <laughs> right. it's not the greatest read <laughs> it's a, I'll give you that much <laughs> it's a read. one pager as well like, it's an yeah. entire page oh no it's it a two page front line. it's two pages, man it's it double page spread yeah How, nothing, nothing happens it's a slow week man you bought like what <laughs> didn't you get like a breakfast roll and bag of Doritos at one point you're just like, literally walking around in a yeah. hazmat suit in Stephen's Green how are you not arrested I don't know but frankly as well I just figure like how did I get away with just billing them for my lunch I just walked around eating for an hour and a half <laughs> yeah seagulls man uh, we have decided that uh, seagulls are worse than pigeons that oh much worse they yeah, make you they feel are. sorry for pigeons and pigeons well, are pretty crappy if like. you want to feel sorry for pigeons can, can you give like a brief recap of the story that you told me we were waiting for a bus to get it to go to play a gig in Oxford once at Marble Arch <clears throat> and it was a sunny day and uh, to, st- to start off it was a sunny day and um, we're sitting down there's so many pigeons around we noticed there's this seagull going around killing pigeons, just for the just for killing the heck, pigeons. just for the heck of it. So it starts raining, and we go under. <laughs> so of course un, it un, does. Un, <laughs> under the arch. Under the arch, and uh, as you do, you have nothing to do in the rain, stuck under an arch. You're just watching this seagull around killing pigeons. <laughs> at one point, a pigeon lands at our feet, and it's so desperate and lost and injured that it starts scrabbling with its wings just trying to move itself forward to get away from this pigeon who has landed just behind oh it. And is just staring at it and us under the arch. It goes under Greg's bag, the drummer in our band, and Greg is like, what the hell do I do here? So of course as you do, you just pick up your bag and the panic in that pigeon's face as it started shuffling itself forward, scraping its wings on the ground, just trying to move away from where the seagull was, was just awful to watch. That's harrowing. It was, it was awful. Bloodless. <laughs> After that, we're still stuck under the arch for another, like, 45 minutes. <laughs> At one point, we see the, the seagull on top of a flagpole, wings out, Singing screaming well. to the wind. Like, I mean, literally just caca into the fucking night. <laughs> it was like uh, pure animal bloodlust. I, I was saying to Dave that I'd, you only see this stuff in documentaries, but seeing a seagull killing just for the heck of it. Was just yeah, with no like calming Attenborough voiceover, just to make yeah. sure you know everything's okay. There was just, just, just no just just no a, cuddly Attenborough, just, just a seagull <laughs> screaming <laughs> on a on a flagpole. It's a life changing experience, right there. <laughs> Should we wrap it up for this week? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fiona says thanks for coming in. Let's quickly move on to something slightly less depressing. Uh, Dave, you guys were we at a were, festival. Yeah, we were at a festival. <laughs> we were at a festival. It's an amazing story. Um, how was it for you? Uh, I, got, I, I got a tan, by the way. I know the podcast listeners can't see this. I got a bit. Great. Of, I got a bit of a tan as well, and I don't really tan. I'm very pale. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, how it was for me? Well, I wrote two thousand two hundred and thirty-two words on it, 
which is on Headstuff's website right now. Go there. It's called Strange Days, Forbidden Fruit 2016 in review. And uh, you were a bit of a through line in that review, Colin. I mentioned you at the start, middle, and end of the review. Mm-hmm. So there you go. Thanks. Credited you for your good lines and uh, enjoyed your You're very good company as well. Buried me for the young fathers thing. Explain that. Well, Dave has kind of said in the review, uh, I, I opted not to bother them, but Cullum got a selfie yeah. with, with Caius Bankle. K-Bank, as he's your mate now. K- K-Bank, we're bros now. Uh, in reality, Dave had sat there, rooted to the ground in fear, going, no man, they're just so intimidating. When they walked past, he didn't want to bother them. He was afraid to bother them. Respectful bubble. <laughs> um, yeah, Young Fathers opened up the festival. Well, I mean, Trinity Orchestra opened the festival, but I missed them because, you know... Pfft. Who cares? Um, Jesus. They open up. That's that's what, a bit harsh. That's what, that's what they do. They open up festivals. I miss them because I have a job. I think that's a reasonable defense. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. I live around that's the corner and I ambled up late. Um, <laughs> so yeah, Young Fathers were excellent. Uh, you said beforehand, you're like, have you seen them before? And I was like, no. You said they're very, very angry. And they are angry, but like, it's kind of very focused and quite good aggression. And I mean, like, yeah, I mean, like, I made the point in the review that I was like, I'd much rather see them in like a tent at midnight or something, but. Yeah, probably not the best setting for them. But they were excellent. It was in daylight, wasn't it? It was daylight, six yeah. o'clock sun blazing and like you know almost no one there because it's the start of the festival it's the mm-hmm. Friday as well but like you know they got a bit of a crowd and like they seem, they seem to enjoy it as, as much as you know Cullum makes them out to be crazy angry people and shit but like they they, they, they were very very good I know I mean like angry was just a, a one word description like they're very intense they aren't uh, even they're they're, they're their their interview after winning the Mercury Prize. It's one of the best <laughs> yeah. series of photos I've ever seen. Yeah, like, yeah. And, yeah. And they were like, you know, well, we, people are attacking us because we're not jumping for joy. And it's like, lads, you're not just not jumping for joy here. Like, you look like you've just received some terrible news. You look basically, I'm sure, like you did standing in that arch watching the <laughs> seagulls attack a pigeon. Maybe they've seen the Maybe, same yeah. thing. Who knows yeah. where they were? Maybe that's what's going on behind the photographer. You know, <laughs> it's entirely possible <laughs> that same seagull. Yeah, just showing up. Um, yeah, overall, uh, Forbidden Fruit's a bit of a mixed bag. I feel uh, it's in like what sixth year now. I've been to all of them except for the first one. Seen some great stuff. Seen some bad stuff. Seen some grim stuff. Um, <laughs> it is what it is. I mean, like day three in particular, I thought was a bit rough. Uh, I think me and you kind of felt it. Uh, like I kind of get festival burnout anyway at that point. But like on on the Sunday, like there was just nothing on that I really knew, and it was all very dancey, all very DJs, all lads with laptops, and like I can't really get into that kind of thing. I think the highlight of Sunday was when we saw that. Uh, we were just chilling on the green, and we 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 were like, we, oh, yeah. <laughs> Colin and I were just having a beer, like four o'clock on the green in the shade, and it was very nice. And in front of us, before I even knew what was happening, I kind of saw a glint, and I was like, "Is that a set of handcuffs?" And before I could even finish that thought, two shirtless lads were just fucking, you know, Brock Lesnar just to the ground, and. Uh, two of the most obvious undercover cops you've ever seen in your life, who had obviously sucked them into a drug deal, were like putting the putting the the manacles on. Yeah, and it was it's always good for that. Oh, it's hilarious! Um, uh, it was so much. Have, fun. I love good hash written on my <laughs> t-shirts. Not quite, but the, one of the undercover cops, yeah, was uh, was wearing a, a Leinster rugby polo shirt. Savage. That's was exactly like, what you'd wear. It to was a definitely the mid forties. Yeah, 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 yeah. like a big huge pink fan of underworld. Big, yeah. A big pink did he shorts have, like, on. Did he have like blue jeans and black shoes on. <laughs> Not far off, yeah, to be yeah, perfectly honest. Yeah. Yeah. Wasn't uh, Forbidden Fruit where the best marriage proposal of all time happened? Oh, was Jesus that last year? It was, yeah, oh, last year. I missed that, but you were there for that, Colin, weren't you? Yeah, chap dropped down to one knee and it uh, was in front during, of Fatboy Slim. Yeah, it was in the Hot Press tent. It was during Fatboy Slim, Norman Cook's kind of interview, um, and it was kind of a Q&A <laughs> section, which is always good with drunken festival goers, where the Never, mic is just being passed around. Questions and some crowd. kind of out of a guy had a big question to pop, and um, it got kind of messy from there. Yeah, well, he didn't have a, he didn't have a ring. <laughs> didn't have a ring. So he actually borrowed <laughs> so Norman. Yeah, Papa's ring. Amazing. Lended him his ring. Um, 
I was talking to your man afterwards and like yeah, you obviously hadn't asked the father's permission. They've been going out for six months. Um I the, his facial expression and the <laughs> lucidity of his eyes made me call into question uh, his sobriety at that moment in time. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. It's a, just drunk on love, man. Yeah, and a brief Facebook stalk a little bit afterwards made me question um, just how long <laughs> that engagement lasted. Okay, hang on a minute now. You have to elaborate on that. I was rang by a producer of a TV show who had found... <laughs> what? Have I not told you oh, this? Oh, sorry. Yeah, I, I was rang by the producer of a TV show who was trying to get in touch with the people involved, with the guy the and The happy girl. couple, yeah. Okay, because, yeah. I think because they were planning on having Fatboy Slim on as a guest and wanted to have those people in the crowd and share the story. And he's still and, missing his ring, probably. Yeah, and some video footage <laughs> and blah, 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 blah. And I said, look, I'll look into it. And yeah, when I did, it, yeah, there didn't seem to be anything further. Oh, story, oh well, that's that a way. shame. That's disappointing. Dara, Dara has an amazing Fatboy Slim story. We we played with Fatboy Slim down in Cork a, a couple of years back for the for the the Guinness the Guinness this, night. This is Arthur's Day. Arthur's Day. Yes. Yeah. yes, 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 yes. So would this have been? I guess I'm from Cork. Was it like Reardon's or Crane Lane? One of them, or it no, wasn't Crane Lane. Lane. It wasn't Crane Lane. It was the old oak. The old oak. It was the yeah, old yeah, oak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can name them all. So yeah, we we, we went down and played, and um, obviously it was. You know, it was a good good show and the crowd were kind of, you know, quite lively. But I think the word had got out it was going to be Fatboy Slim. But um, I anyways just started chatting to his to his uh, tour manager. And uh, yeah, I, I decided that it was funny to call to call Norman Cook Trevor Nelson. <laughs> <laughs> and say like, what time is Trevor Nelson on that? And he was like, it's Fatboy Slim, mate. It's Fatboy Slim. And I was like, yeah, Trevor Nelson. Like he's sweet DJ. He was like, it's Fatboy Slim. And I was like, cool. So is Trevor Nelson here? And I just kind of went on like that and it didn't, yeah, it just continued on like that. It's just me being a jerk. <laughs> and did Trevor Nelson turn up? He didn't. Oh, no. He didn't come. It's so disappointing. Norman Cook came. Trevor Nelson's name six times. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Into a mixing desk. Yeah. Untrue, apparently. <laughs> it just lights up. All the faders go up the top. You can't turn them back down. That's the power. Oh, fuck. Yeah. What have I done? The incredible okay. power of Trevor Nelson. So to wrap yeah. up, uh, Forbidden Fruit overall, uh, thumbs in the middle, I guess, Cullum? Yeah, no, I enjoyed the weekend, to be Battles fair. Battles were great. Young Fathers were great. Skepta was a bit of fun. Tame and Pala were fine. Jungle was enjoyable. They're just chic, aren't they? Um, nah, that's jungle are good. They're fine, but yeah, that's grand. Uh, good blokes as well. They get Dizzy Rascal, was, Dizzy Dizzy Rascal was much better than when I saw him in Austria four yeah. years ago uh, at a rave where he, <laughs> where he wasn't great. And uh, Sunday was a bit of a bust. So yeah. Yeah, Sunday wasn't amazing for me, but yeah, there was certainly enough to Bono to was there. Go again. Bono, Bono was there. Conor McGregor was there. Conor McGregor was there. We and were, there was an awful lot of posers there as well, and we're going to talk about that a little while later. We are. We're going to get into that later on. Uh, we are. Uh, one person who you won't see knocking about festivals soon is Julian Casablancas. Um, Strokes frontman was interviewed the other day by Zane Lowe, and and he said that basically. He hates festivals. Yeah, and, and also, yeah, the most of the people he knows. Ninety-eight percent of the musicians he talks to apparently don't enjoy festivals, yeah. um, and they much prefer, he says, playing surprise shows and half-empty bars, which you can kind of understand. But it seems like I understand it especially because you know that works for the Strokes. Mm. Yeah, if you're further down the bill and you're not going to create a frenzy by create playing a surprise show in a ha- in a small bar, yeah, if that's all you do the rest of the year round, different. yeah. yeah. Um, 
The other thing as well is that the Strokes are playing in a festival in Australia in a couple of years, weeks' time. Um, like, imagine how the people with tickets for that must feel now. But like, they're really looking forward to seeing the Strokes, and they yeah. now know that the band are just going. It's not going to make a difference. I saw the Strokes at Oxygen before, and like, it was two thousand and six. No, two thousand and four. Two thousand and eleven. Keep naming they some there years, in 2011? They were, yeah, and they went through. The, that. They, went, they, went, uh, they went through the motions very, very hardcore. Uh, what do you guys think about playing festivals, going to festivals? Like, like I, I feel like bands playing at festivals is almost like you know, it's like watching a friendly match or something. Like sometimes I saw Interpol in the Olympia last year it was amazing. Saw them at Picnic, it was grand. Oh, it's, seeing some bands play at festivals is it's like night and day. Mm. Like yeah, seeing the likes of Interpol play at festivals where it's just sunglasses on. Not moving, yeah, 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 not moving an inch, not moving an inch. It's crazy, you know. But no, like I mean, I think <clears throat> as you would want a musician to say, you're going there to play to an audience, and it, it's a it's stage performance, it's performance art. You know what I mean? And you have to to make them have a, the party that they want to have. You know what I mean? So you just have to, whether you enjoy it or not, you're you're there for them to. Uh, make the event mm. happen I think why a lot of bigger bigger acts maybe don't like them as well is because they're not getting the full you know treatment of being able to sound check for you know or yeah. get their crew set yeah. up mm-hmm. and all that stuff mm-hmm. it's, it's very much the, the turnaround is so fast that yeah. it's the other thing probably as well not is, very comfortable yeah for the strokes and for other big bands like that they're almost guaranteed to be playing the main stage mm. absolutely guaranteed to be playing outdoor to a field that at the end of the day, is going to be full of a lot of people who are queuing for the bar or an yeah. ATM yeah. or yeah, gone to get a burger yeah. or whatever. So, you know, it's going to be very different. I think even if you're playing in a tent at a festival, mm. it's going to be a very different sort, yeah. of, sort of situation. Yeah, yeah. And I think mm. those comments are kind of in keeping with Julian Casablanca's personality. Like, he seems quite a kind of retiring guy, as much as you can be for, like, a rock frontman. Mm. So it's kind of, you know, it seems, it's no surprise that he'd rather just be playing in a half-empty bar, I think. Sticking with festivals, Craig, you spotted this one. Uh, Glastonbury uh, operating a women-only venue this year. Yeah, um, it's called The Sisterhood, which is a dreadful, dreadful name, isn't it? So immediately you're against it. Um, no, but it's it's part of their Shang- Shangri-La uh, kind of area. So it'll be more talks and stuff, but there will be musical acts, um, which will be all women. I guess the most interesting thing is just the huge backlash online there's been to it. Well, that's hardly surprising, yeah. given the fucking climate. I know, and it seems, it's it's like every year with Glastonbury, there's something that happens or something that's going on at the festival that immediately people that say they're going are totally up in arms against. And it's it's an odd crowd that seems to go to Glastonbury. It's the most precious festival I've ever seen. Yeah. I, 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 I've never been. Um, I, people I know who've gone seem to absolutely adore it. I mean, my only experience through it is with BBC's Wretched Coverage, where Gemma Carney gets to bounce around Shangri-La and talk about how amazing it all is, and I'm just like, fuck off, it's all <laughs> awful. And then Mark Radcliffe gets to be smug for a while. Yeah, that's what you want to see. So presumably we've got to see Gemma bouncing around to the sisterhood area next year or next summer, whenever it comes back. But I mean... It'd be amazing. It'd be amazing. Yeah. Uh, what, is the, what is the backlash about it? Essentially, that why aren't men allowed? Where's the ma- yeah? Where, where's the male only place um, to go? Which is considering bollocks, the like, size of the Glastonbury, urinals, I guess. <laughs> 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 given the size of Glastonbury, which is just so like it's, it's like a town. Si- yeah, it's yeah. like a city essentially. It's just like mm. this tiny space where they say um, it'll be an intersectional, queer, trans, and disability inclusive space. So mm. yeah, feck that. So yeah. um, it's a bizarre one. To be they, fair, they just aren't welcome anywhere else. It's just their. They're, they're yeah, yeah. <laughs> they have to stay there. It's more of a cordoned yeah. off area. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the, is, the rest it, of the festival is for men only. It is, yeah. as you say, one of those things as well, where if there wasn't massive media coverage, you could very easily spend a week knocking about Glastonbury and never notice it. Yeah. yeah. Because I learned this at the weekend at Forbidden Fruit, talking to the guys from Jungle, that the perimeter fence of Glastonbury is the size of the city of Bath. Oh, amazing. Wow. Yeah, it's God. that big. Jesus. Yeah. 
Yeah, like you see aerial shots of it, and it does look like a vast compound. Um, which is why, as I say, I never understand why anyone like, say, Kanye West headlining generate so much negative publicity it's like you can find something to do yeah mm. in that error <laughs> you know like yeah. it's almost like people like getting annoyed yeah <laughs> I, 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 I think you've noticed yeah. something there <laughs> <laughs> and i know that you know given that we moved into the wild world of music journalism that we're not exactly court reporters but uh your heart must have been touched this morning when uh lovely little ed Sheeran poor ed is being sued He's being sued for twenty million pounds. Yeah, it's the writers. Uh, twenty million dollars. Twenty million dollars. Sorry, so it's only thirteen point eight million pounds. Dropping the ocean. So down. you know, when you do the maths. It's fine, really. Yeah, don't worry about it. It's the writers of a song for Matt Cardle, former X Factor winner and uh, current uh, trivia question. Answer. Who? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Who came second to Matt Cardle? Oh, f- come on. That's the trivia question. One Direction. Bingo. Yeah, it was, was it? It was One yeah. Direction. Yeah. Yeah. Styles <laughs> leaned into his ear and said, you're going to get so much pussy now. Yeah, and he's caught on, caught on camera saying that. Yeah. And, and, and in fact, the reverse was true. <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> it might be doing okay. We don't know. Either way, yeah, this, this is... Uh, like, I, I, think, I think it's just <laughs> I think a fake... paints flats. <laughs> it's a fake Flat single. Is that, is yeah, that yeah. his name? It's on the side of his van. <laughs> it's a failed single from Matt Cardle. Um, no. Well, no, to be fair, I think he got to number one or very close to number one with the cover of uh, Biffy Clyro. When when we collide? Straight after, yeah, precisely. Um, But this one, yeah, I think peaked at number 84. What's the name of this track? This is called Amazing. Amazing. Gemma Carney Carney loves it, does she? And to be fair, it does bear a huge resemblance to Photograph. Maybe we can listen to the two of them just side by side now so you get an idea. Now, a lot of people have pointed out as well, though, that this song was co-written, Ed Sheeran and Johnny McDade. Snow Patrol. Snow Patrol. And that basically, it also sounds exactly like Run. It just is a Snow Patrol. Both of them are Snow Patrol songs. It's a Snow Patrol song. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So ultimately, maybe if they're successful suing Ed Sheeran here, Johnny McDade can come along and sue the both of them. (laughs) (laughs) That would be amazing. Um, but yeah, just taking those two songs, I mean, they talk about there being 39 identical notes and it is more or less a carbon copy. I mean, you're, it's not just a kind of element of the song that you're going, oh yeah, that bears a resemblance. It's like, no, that's the tune. I think, <laughs> I think the, the Ed Sheeran version, you know, his song is just, it's kind of like that kind of, you know, quite high up capo acoustic guitar crap. But the, the, two, songs are, the two songs are just both so uninteresting that yeah. it just it all just goes into one 
Yeah, yeah. One slop pit. <laughs> <laughs> it does, though. Yeah, uh, determined, though, that it's not going to be just another one of those uh, music rights cases. Um, the writers have actually uh, enlisted the same guy who represented uh, Marvin Gaye's family in taking on uh, Robin Thicke and Pharrell Williams last year. Richard so, Bush. Yeah, so they've they've pulled in the big guns, as it were. And, like, whatever you think about that Blurred Line song and the kind of lyrics around it, but there, that was a very tenuous link, I thought, wasn't it? I did, It was yeah. a very small element that seemed like a, quite a generic thing they were taking, apparently, from Marvin Gaye. Mm. Um, actually, Ed Sheeran's What Is It Thinking Out Loud, which is kind of one of his bigger songs, is just sexual healing. So I don't know if they want to get on that case as well. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Ed. <laughs> <laughs> well, to be fair, there are plenty of uh, examples of those music uh, cases involving kind of copyright and, you know, stolen sound all the rest of it hmm. uh, today rather than top 10 I'm just doing top 5 but I'd delve into um, the best music related court cases that are a little bit more out there as it were like I say most of them really are just stolen samples and copyright cases uh, although number 5 is John Fogarty and possibly the greatest copyright case of all time former Creedence Clearwater revival man um, was sued for sounding like himself Basically what happened is he, rec- he recorded a song. It was called Run Through the Jungle. And that was while he was signed with Fantasy. About 10 years later, he released a song called The Old Man Down the Road while on Warners. And he was sued by his original record company wow. for plagiarising a song that he no, no longer owns the copyright to. And it was like the reverse with Neil Young, wasn't it? Where he was sued for not sounding like Neil Young. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. These are, these are difficult times. <laughs> Randy Newman needs to be looked at, I think. Yeah. As, no, but has he changed record label? That's the question. I couldn't tell you. If he sticks in the same one, he's safe. <laughs> I don't know yeah. these things. Don't, <laughs> you, don't you keep up on Randy Newman news. AC, ACDC <laughs> takes similar note. Uh, at number four is uh, Chris Goldscheider. He's a vi- viola player who sued um, that performing Wagner's The Valkyrie left him deaf. Uh, in 2012, oh. he was uh, rehearsing at the Royal Opera House and basically gave out that uh, the arrangement of orchestras means that he has a load of brass instruments r- playing right into his ear. You think that's an occupational hazard, yeah. right? Is he, is he suing orchestras as a whole? Like, no, he's suing every orchestra ever. He's suing the Royal Opera House, but they're actually saying that this could be a landmark case if it goes his way, and I think it's well, currently ongoing. See in so. court, Royal Opera yeah. House. <laughs> <laughs> Another one... And number three, another one that I really enjoyed was uh, a New York singer uh, called Colette McClafferty, uh, who was sued for 10 million uh, by a guy who said that she was basically uh, not good looking enough and not good enough at singing. And, uh, has Get to the ru- sisterhood in Glastonbury. <laughs> and he wants to you around here. And has ruined his plan to start Long Island's finest pink cover band. Oh. <laughs> Fuck. Ten fucking million he thought this was going to be worth. Like, <laughs> Sorry, pink cover band. Yeah. Good optimistic. Band. Yep. Why, why, or sorry, cover act, I suppose. No, but still. Uh, you'd would, need a band. She's kind of a rock chick. She is rocky. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She likes rock music, doesn't she? <laughs> yeah, she yeah. does. Uh, number, two, number two, and this one is very <laughs> close to home attitude. as it happens. Uh, it's Jeff Keating. He's a bloke from Finglas, uh, who sued Rihanna for alleged defamation. Now, apparently this is pertaining to an email that was sent to himself and his wife, so obviously we haven't seen the email. However, he said that uh, it, it, it gravely injured his business. And he was hired uh, to use Reiki and psychic healing. Which basically suggests that he's going to have to go to court and to provide evidence that his ability to heal someone's spirit by, like, floating his hands above <laughs> them has been unlawfully called into question. But where does Rihanna come in? Yeah, sorry, what? R- Rihanna was the one who needed the Reiki oh, and right, the yeah. uh, psychic don't healing. We all. So don't, she went don't to, we all? So she went to some guy from Fingless? 
Apparently and so, And he's yeah. suing her. Yeah. For what? That for, she, he took a load of bad energy from Rihanna. I, I, think, <laughs> no, it was, I, don't I know. think it was that Rihanna was putting bad energy towards him. I'm yeah, not but sure. He, yeah. When you do Reiki, you take the bad energy from the person no, you, you do it on. No, you fucking don't. <laughs> when you do Reiki, you just put your hands of, over someone course, and take money from them. Of course, that's what happens. But in, when you talk, when you think about Reiki, that's what they do. They go like, you, I'm taking all this energy from you right now. Yeah. So he obviously got a bad buzz off Rihanna. <laughs> bad Aren't buzz off Rihanna. He's, now he's like, I'm fucked up. You'd have to compensate the child. Yeah. But shouldn't he exactly. be trained to like put the energy somewhere else? Like maybe Rihanna's so couch so bad that he's <laughs> like an energy depository somewhere yeah. at the back. He just on, he's not a, able. Are you calling spiritualism into question, Cullen? Spiritualism is that what that is? I don't. Th- well, holistic medicine. Yeah, oh yeah, fuck yeah. Quacks, <laughs> quacks, mate. Didn't didn't Rihanna get into like a dispute with a Northern Irish farmer as well? Yeah, 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 yeah. that's because she was not, dancing in his field. That was it. Yeah, she was yeah, half naked in his field, and he wasn't happy. And he wasn't yeah. happy. Yeah. There was a there was a an, an, a nonsensical nothing hopper story on it at the time. I believe. I think I might have wrote it. <laughs> <laughs> I might have read it. But at number one, and I really like this one because it could set a precedent, okay? It was in Finland where a fan uh, asked for a refund because uh, Chuck Berry played a shit gig there and uh, he took his case to the disputes board and he won. So the gig was that bad. Yeah, they did a ruling in Finland now that uh, the crowd is entitled to a 50% refund policy if a concert can objectively be deemed a failure. How do you objectively... Well, this is it. I mean, there's obviously got to be a few sort of mitigating circumstances to really classify it as a failure. If he stayed on stage for a reasonable amount of time and tried to perform, you can't really call him on it. Apparently he was ill, though, and he was just basically Did he vomit on his own shoes on stage? Jesus, leave Chuck alone. I don't know. I mean, like, I've seen some pretty bad gigs. I saw an Animal Collective gig once where they all had the flu, and so, like, they all came out, but they left one by one throughout (laughs) the first five or six songs. In the end, it was just Panda Bear. Yeah. He was just left playing a tune or two. I'd say if there's a flu going around, Animal Collective's terrible, they're just screwed. They is that not like, like the sturdiest of fellas? Was, there, was that like 2000 and like, kind of like mid-2000s, I guess? Or? I think there was a story there was a story that they had to drive from. Yes, it was. They had to with drive a over from Liverpool with a shattered windshield, exactly. And they, they all got sick. I'll do it. Yeah. I'll do it. And, and yeah, so like, to be fair, and that's, that's extenuating circumstances, you know? Mm. No judge in the world would rule against Yeah. Our, our artful collective, animal collective. Oh, but they it? absolutely would because I think that gig could be deemed a failure. So I would be entitled to fifty percent of my money back if that gig had been in Finland. Shit. Have you guys ever had any gigs that people could reasonably request <laughs> a refund at? Absolutely. Probably a lot of them. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Uh, abso- ab- absolutely. We can beat all this guy. <laughs> we, were, we were playing in in Boston a couple of years ago, and we were. As you do, you're playing in New York the night before, so we go and sing karaoke. It was actually two nights before. It was. It was, it was two nights before. That's how bad it was. Yeah. Is it how good it was? It was serious. We went. We, we were in the. We had to do an interview the next day in the dressing room, and the uh, girl coming in to, to like do the interview walked in and was like, "Oh my god, what is that smell?" We were like, "It's us, love." <laughs> <laughs> we haven't. Oh, we haven't dear. been been to been to bed in two days or so. <laughs> And that gig was probably, yeah, that would be a refund. <laughs> that would be a straight-up refund, yeah. yeah. There's a few. There's a lot of them. What's your karaoke song of choice? Keith Wilson's was Candle in the Wind, actually, that night. It was really... And Gangster's Paradise, well, of course. Nice. Nice. Keith is an eclectic man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's quite the brace. Do you know what I mean? It's two little, two little songs. Yeah. yeah. All right, well, it's time to move on to what songs we've been listening to this <laughs> oh, week. Must we? And, uh, yes, we must. Well, hang on. And uh, a bit like Animal Collective, we've caught a collective illness really I think they call it 
Football fever. Oh <laughs> Jesus! <laughs> Sorry, I saw it. About, I saw it about three minutes ago, and I was oh, like, God, "Yeah, I'm I going saw, for it. I'm I going saw, for this." I saw your face moving into position for the for the punchline. <laughs> yep. Uh, obviously, really need to film this, guys. Uh, Euro 2016 has just uh, has just kicked <laughs> off, and we've kind of been saving up our verdict on uh, the tracks that have been released. We have. We did, however, get a blast of this before, so we can address it uh, at the top. It's Manic Street Preachers, and a song they'd been preparing for a long, long time. It's strong together, stronger. Come on, Wales. Yeah, so apparently they'd written that song about a decade in advance, which is really impressive when you consider that they must have spotted the talent of Gareth Bale and Aaron Ramsey really early to build a song around them. Um, Guys, your thoughts? We are massive Mannix fans and have hung on this long to be delivered a song. We are delighted. (laughs) (laughs) We're together stronger with the Mannix. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Like, No, it's... I think myself and Mick both like separately when we were growing up were crazy into Manic Street Preachers. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. And albums like Gold Against the Soul and the Holy Bible and stuff are just mm. magic. And then you kind of, as you were saying, Mick, you stick with them. Yeah. You just keep getting punched in the dick. <laughs> and They've then come comes, back comes strong in this. recent years now. Oh, but but every too. year it's like the new Holy Bible. Like literally every year they're going on the new Holy Bible tour. This this album is what the follow up to the Holy Bible should have been. They started and putting the oars backwards yeah. as well. They had point. the new Everything Must Go as well. So they've kind of they've hit all the kind of yeah. different you know milestones and yeah yeah. Here's the second coming up such and such. Um, yeah, what I like about this is just like the absolute just you know heart and soul they put into this. Like it, there's as much kind of you know emphasis put on the lyrics by James Dean Bradfield as when he was talking about like capitalist kind of machine mm. and just like depression and blah blah blah. <laughs> Um, that's a dreadful, dreadful song. I'm surprised you know, they haven't come out and said that Richie wrote some of the lyrics for this song <laughs> yeah, just to yeah, market yeah. it a little bit better. Oh, and to be fair, we all did think that this was a shocker until we heard this. 1990 year of dreams, quarterfinals, who'd believe? Packy saved Dave made a scream, danced on table, seas of green, fires on revenge, a sweet ray, hunting on this magic feat. And out with a shot and a stab. South Korea and Japan. Robbie stuck the ball past Can. Past and bound. We sang and sang. Booting down the other band. Now it's to a different land. Oh, Our land behind is teaming on. Absolutely no question about it. And France have stolen the lead on Ireland. I know we're on our way down the Champs Elysees. 
Yeah, that's the official Irish song for Euro 2016. What's it's the problem? Shulling. What's the problem? The Irish Roar. I feel like this is okay, no? No, no, it's shit. It's I mean, no, it's a terrible, terrible, terrible song, calling. but it's terrible in a way that football songs should be, no? no. A little bit rousing. No. It's a kind of, you know, it's not the whole oro shade of a how old are you know, I mean, like, and... <laughs> as you say, like, I mean, in a way that a football song should be, like, tell me how you could possibly kind of sing this in a terrace or, like, shout it across a bar after a victory. It, there's nothing like that. If and I think, with... I think it's down to the fact <laughs> that every single Irish song that they write now has to have that trad Yeah, like, why? Basis. This is like, you know, when a wrestler is in, like, the WWE and he's from Japan. And therefore, his theme music is like fucking hardcore 80s oriental. Ding, ding, ding. ding yeah, yeah. It's just yeah. Like, why can't it be a rock song? Why can't it be like a fucking you know electro. 1916. Yeah. What? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, to be fair, people uh, also took that idea too far. Check out Ireland Abu. We don't mind if you strike our place for Barca, Luna, Man United, Munich, or Madrid. Cause when the boys in green are on the ball, ooh, man on man, we can beat them all. Ireland, 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 the boo, Republic of Ireland coming true. That's an unofficial track uh, for the Irish team. Um, as rousing as the last. I, I, it I, makes the last one just seem like a masterpiece. Uh, it's just a dread production-wise. When I met well. Dara earlier on, he had just heard it, and you put your laptop down slowly, solemnly. Uh, what, what emotions were going through your head when you heard? The only thing that comes to my head was the chorus, to be honest. <laughs> the track. But I thought, the, I thought the production and stuff, but it does exactly as you said. It makes the other song seem... Yeah. But like you know, pixelated pictures and stuff. <laughs> Flavors of Richie Cavanaugh for sure. Like, yeah. Oh, very much so. Yeah. Yeah. It reminds me of a track that you introduced me to a couple of years ago. Do you know what track I'm talking about? The Bob Bob Marley on my MP3. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> Bob, that. Can, can, can we talk a bit about that? Yeah. So, well, two or three years ago, Andrada, I you, you mentioned that you you you'd been given a a text message or a, a CD with this song on it. You thought the name of the band was Bob Marley on my MP3, which I was like, and we laughed for about four days about that. But it turned out it wasn't. That's the name of the song. It was the song by these guys, but they were they were. Then they called Fair Exchange or something. Fair Exchange, I think. Yeah, but they were pitching to get like uh, they were pitching to get like festival slots. Local hip hop collective, I'm guessing. They're kind of older lads from Carrick McCross or something, <laughs> and they. Uh, they made this song called Bob Marley on my MP3 and it's just about them jamming and listening, like smoking hash and listening to, great. to Bob Marley. <laughs> uh, uh, this is what it sounds like, by the way. Marley on my MP3 Lying in the shade Looking at the clear blue sky I think I really got it made Feeling just a little bit high Stop gentle breeze Send me from the heat of the sun Sway leaves on the trees I like it from the cool me like Chilling by the pool or swimming in the sea Every day is such a beautiful sky Walk along the beach with my lover next to me Watching all the world passes by Let the sun shine down all over the place Let the sun shine down on me Let the UV rays wash all over my face Put the body on my MP3 
Yeah. You take that as the official Irish song. That's, just, the yeah. one. That's the one, That's man. The one. That's the one John Delaney should be on, like, a table in the Paris bar dancing on top of it, just going mental. <laughs> and to be fair, it would make about as much sense as this, the official French selection. I was made for loving you, my team. You were made for loving me. Out So yeah, there was controversy about being allowed to sing in English at the Eurovision. Um, singing in English at Euro 2016 is the choice that they've made. Yeah. Um, also singing a Kiss, a kiss song. song, which mm. there was no controversy about. And, and, and well, no, the controversy was really uh, the minister uh, responsible for the French language who described the decision, the decision to use this song as incomprehensible and very concerning. <laughs> I kind of like it. Really? <laughs> yeah. Whoa, it's got on. nothing to do with football whatsoever. <laughs> I like the, what is it, my team. It's just they my just team. Keep, they, they just, just my team. In. They just shout that in every now and again. I think that's because like, it's one of the only lyrics they've changed. Yeah. So. Um, the, the tournament is in France though, so it's like, you're trying to sing this song to the world, just feck the French people. They don't need a song. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, if, if they really need a crutch, um, they can always lean on David Guetta. You can't lean on David Guetta, he's very small. Uh, <laughs> well, but like, you don't want a big like a crutch, do you? You want something that's just going to fit nicely I, in the arm. I saw him in person. I was at a, I was in Berlin for a hot press thing a few years ago, and we ended up in like this kind of warehouse, and David Guetta was DJing, and he's about the size... Was he of, actually DJing? No, he wasn't. No, no. He was just standing there pressing <laughs> buttons, and li- up, lifting up maybe. Beats headphones, because it was sponsored by them, and it was terrible. And yeah, he's, he's a very, very diminutive man. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah, I've never seen him. Um, Wouldn't recommend it. I've seen Craig call him the G-Man once, which is an amazing <laughs> moment. What? Yeah, I, I just don't know what came over him. Neither do I. I had to review a Dave Guetta gig once. Oh, I, I remember went to this. I by myself after yeah. work, and I was in a suit, so everyone just thought I was a drug dealer. <laughs> so yeah. I stood there for three hours in a field getting rained on with people just going, any drugs, mate? And it was terrible. <laughs> it was the worst gig ever. Because all the drug dealers are wearing suits. I know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> with all their profits. It, it, it is a business, Darren. It is true. a business, yeah. True. Uh, we were out recently and um, I was approached by the nicest drug dealer of all time. This man came over to us and he walked up and he went, we were having a conversation. I think you might have been there, Cole. And he came up to us and like saw that we were having a conversation. He kind of like waited and like put his hands out and like kind of clasped them together and went... Sorry for interrupting you, gentlemen. May I interest you in some cocaine? <laughs> and we were like, no, your grandma, thanks. And he was like, it wasn't a drug dealer, Dave. That was my butler. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, we can't all afford cocaine-addled butlers. Cocaine butlers, yeah. The butler doesn't take the cocaine. He's a professional. He just holds it. Yeah. <laughs> Don't get high on your own supply. Exactly. Apparently not. <laughs> but David Guetta, yeah, he's, uh, he's responsible alongside Zara Larson for the official tournament song. This yeah. one's for you, and this one's for you, listener.
Yeah, this one's not for me. Um, <laughs> didn't he do one of these before? I was just saying to Cullum prior to the podcast. I feel like he's done at least four different tournaments. Or maybe it was the Olympics or something. It but he's be, definitely it done it some It should be said that lis- listening to a David Guetta song and saying, I think I've heard something <laughs> yeah, like this exactly. before this is, is not exactly a new, uh, a new phenomenon. He's a, these vague platitudes about uniting. and. Uh, Do you think away. he gives a shit, though? He's a gun oh. for hire, like that Bruce Springsteen lyric. The <laughs> dancing in the dark. Um, yeah, no, he's 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 just a rubbish DJ. How was that gig, though? It was really bad. <laughs> what do you mean, in terms of his performance? Yeah. Well, he just danced around with his arms up and had the Irish flag for a bit and just played his tunes. That Did people enjoy it that were there? Yeah, they seem to, in fairness. Yeah. In fairness. He's bringing the... It just is what joy. it is. It is what it, it is, yeah. yeah. Uh, I did not have a good time. And someone else who just can only produce the music that is what it is, Sean Ryder, <laughs> was partially responsible for England's best effort this summer. Uh, they're called Four Lions, and it's called We Are England. Yeah, so a radical departure there for the uh, for the Happy Mondays man. Yeah, um, it's Paul Oakenfold Goldie, uh, also involved in this one. Yeah, um, someone else who's uh, in Kermit. Yeah, it's kind yeah, of the Kermit, black grape yeah. lads, um, and it's kind of fun. Um, yeah. I didn't actually realize. I just stuck on the link and I saw four lines, and I was like, "This sounds exactly like what the Happy Mondays were doing thirty mm. years ago." And it is. It's John Ryder just doing that, um, and it's another kind of bizarre choice for a football song because it doesn't really seem to. I don't know. It doesn't really work in a football context. No, it, it doesn't really have a chanty bit that you're going to hear the fans singing. It's just a Manchester groove with some ramblings over it, which yeah. is, you know, par I mean, for the course. To be fair, <laughs> I saw David Baddiel just the other day finding that Three Lions effectively killed the football song in the sense that it's actually good. Yeah. It's really good. I think it's the best football song. It is the best football song. It is the best football song. It's so good they released it many, many times. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, they, they only did it twice, to be fair. Was it? Yeah, it was only twice. It was 96 and 98. And he said that basically they've been asked for every tournament since to do it. And It is a great and, song. And incredibly, mm. like, I mean, it makes me feel so old to think that that lyric of 30 years of hurt would now be 50. 50. That's frightening. Yeah, that's frightening. Makes it worse if you're an English fan. It um, is a very but, good song, though. Um, yeah, and my co-worker, Stuart Clark, was just talking the other day about being at Wembley in 1996 for the Euros. And to hear that crowd singing, it's coming home, it's coming home, like, in that perfect chanty way that they had on the track, he said it was incredible. Yeah. Like, you don't find, you know, official songs doing Yeah, that. but listen, think about it this way. I mean, like, it's very, very rare that, like, music comes out of your television and really kind of hits you. Like, I, I flat out kind of didn't believe it could ever happen until I saw Nine Inch Nails play Hurt at Reading 2007 on BBC's coverage of it. Up until then, I actually thought Johnny Cash's was the best version. I didn't really like Nine Inch Nails, but that was something that just completely, really changed my, my way of thinking about that band, about that song. And, like, it was an unbelievable... Like, I'll never forget. I'll never forget seeing it, like, like on, on TV and just being like, fuck, this actually can happen. It can... Music, the emotion of music can actually connect through your TV screen. It can, it actually mm. can happen. Mm. So what I'm, I think if you take that kind of mindset, 
And when we see Ireland play Sweden or whoever else in this group, and we hear the crowd screaming Ireland boo. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> worth the build up that was laid up lovely wasn't it we're going it really to was. experience what Stuart Clark experienced that day in Wembley oh, oh we can only hope ow um, <laughs> nailed just, it <laughs> just back to put him under pressure really isn't yeah. it it's just yeah okay <laughs> well if that's the best I knocked over that... a bottle of water there I flew too close to the sun <laughs> <laughs> that's the best that Euro 2016 has to offer yeah let's hope the football is a little stronger than the music probably won't be <laughs> can we talk about football though there's for, optimism can we talk about like a can we, can we have a football flashback yeah football flashback <laughs> uh, I want to talk about James Corden because uh, I had a request on Twitter today from someone to talk about James Corden because I put up a thing basically saying like you know there is a hell and it is very real because I saw I got a press release saying that Red Hot Chili Peppers will take part in James Corden's hilarious carpool karaoke have you seen this carpool? Yes. Yeah, I've seen it, yeah. Yeah. I can't watch I can't watch it. I've seen stills. No, it's bad. I've seen stills. <laughs> I know what it is. Oh, you've never seen it. I've seen his stupid fucking face uh like you know his mouth open um and I can't do it. He I, sings the tracks, man. Yeah, he sings oh, the tracks. Oh, that's what he does. With the, with the, See, I was hoping that the car yeah. would just like careen into a wall at some uh, point, but I guess it doesn't that, crash at any point. No. <laughs> yeah. He's a very good driver in fairness. He is deadly at driving, yeah. He observes the rules of the road, doesn't he? He does, yeah. And he always has his belt on. He's in a different country as well, so there's that whole, you know, to do thing. The multi and I mean, you know, he's an all-round entertainer. Well, this yeah. is the thing. He's like a big deal in American television, which is very upsetting because uh, I think he's appalling. And I think best summed up by there was an amazing piece of journalism. I often reference um, Ezra Koenig from Vampire Koenig, Koenig, Koenig yeah. from Vampire Weekend's review of Drake's album as like the best piece of music journalism there's ever going to be. This is an, a similarly incredible piece of writing that, like, again, you just read it and you're like, you're jealous, but. Um, uh, I think Taylor Parks is the name of the the writer for the website When Saturday Comes. I think he also reviewed Tim Lovejoy's book and tore it to ribbons. This is from like um, a article called uh, A Summer Spent with James Corden uh, in 2010 when James Corden was kind of starting to become a TV personality of, of note and ITV had picked him up to have a, a World Cup after show, like a chat show, a variety thing. Mm. So here's a couple of paragraphs from this, which to me sums up James Corden better than I can. Uh, the never more visible James Corden suffers from that curious hubris which convinces every media odd job that there's some kind of polymath. Corden may be a passable actor, but he's not a naturally funny man, nor a very likable personality, and even he must be sick of the side of himself. Yet ITV, having paid £6 million for his services, devised a show for Corden to front with his quick wit and personal charm and broadcast the results at prime time for the duration of the tournament. And with sapping inevitability, James Corden's World Cup Live was truly, truly horrible. A cack-handed cross between Soccer AM's in, uh, infa- uh, infant, uh, infantilism and TFI Friday's Class A shoutiness. Abby Clancy was hard to do what Abby Clancy does. The backroom boys worked out some skits about how Uruguay's players had long hair and looked like girls. A polo-shirted audience whooped with well-marshaled efficiency. Lovely stuff, Bart Corden, banging his cards on the desk. Somewhere in Britain, another library closed. I know that last line is probably your favourite piece of journalism. That, li- that last line is, that man should have a statue. There should be parades <laughs> held in that man's honour. Um, a piece of journalism that this week... Oh, sorry, I, I think... am, I, am, I, am, I, am I like alone in this one? <laughs> Are we supposed to now fight James no, Corden? No, no, no Corden, but do people, yeah. do people like James Corden? I don't, personally. I think the way that it was like, you know, about to be moved on there is just how everyone dislikes him. Yeah, I didn't feel there was arguments to kind of dwell on this could further, to be honest. I was briefly horrified there for a second. <laughs> no, no. We all enjoyed you reading to us. Thanks, though. man. Yeah, I put my glasses say. on and everything. Yeah, like, no, it was like very I was, Like I was tucking you into bed. <laughs> <laughs> it was very touching. 
Um, but yeah, I was actually just about to move on to another little piece of journalism that, uh, well, I know some of us uh, at the table enjoyed. Uh, it provoked a little bit of uh, debate and controversy, and it was Brian Boyd writing in the Irish Times about um, summer festivals and basically the fact that there's an awful lot of people who seem to be there just to be there. Um, we did encounter that over the weekend at Forbidden Fruit. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And, um, like, you know, I've had people even say, like, uh, one girl I was talking to was saying that a co-worker of hers was going to the festival, and she was like, oh, I'm going too. Who are you, who are you looking forward to seeing? And she was like, oh, like, I, I don't even know who's playing. I've, I've, I've got my outfits picked out, though. And you're just like, okay. So, yeah, I mean, like, it's definitely gigs. We've talked about this before on the podcast. We've talked about how, like, people at gigs like to talk and get their phones out and, you know, watch the thing through their phones or be on Twitter. And I think a lot of people go to gigs and go to social occasions and social events just to be able to say that they were there. Mm-hmm. I think when it comes to festivals in particular, that's definitely the case. But, like, I, I would have I would have less of a problem with it at festivals, you know, than I would say at, like, a, if, if I paid 50 quid to go and see a band in the Olympia or something. Way more. The bottom line yeah. is that at any given moment at a festival... 30% of the people around you might be interested in the act that's playing. And that's perfectly fair because they would have gone to see somebody else yeah, yeah. or they're waiting for someone the following day or whatever. Um, I think the problem now is that it's just a little more visible with kind of selfies and status and all the rest of it. I mean, it was the same back when I first started going to festivals. I mean, Oxygen 2006. Yeah. That, that was, you know, there was a lot of people there who went to say that they went. Mm-hmm. It just so happened that they didn't really have the social media streams that we do now. And I was going to say, I mean, back then, certainly we witnessed it was that when it was like the only game in town, more or less. I mean, now there's so many festivals you can kind of you can go to a Castle Palooza, you can go to a Body and Soul. There's enough variety there where you will find the audience you want to hang out with, I guess. Yeah. And so what, it's probably less of a problem now. Yeah, I would think so. I think it's probably just going to be exacerbated by a festival like Forbidden Fruit, where essentially like it's in the middle of the city. Yeah. And you go home to your own bed every day. So, just so go none of the kind of, of so-called hardship of a festival, yeah, the actual yeah, bits yeah. where you actually have to put a little bit of investment in terms of travelling or in terms of sleeping in a tent and shit, none of that applies. Mm. So it's Yeah, very so you easy. will just get people walking in for the day yeah. and checking you out. I don't see a problem with that, really. As you say, it's, it's much worse if you go and pay to see someone specifically and there's chatter or people aren't interested. That makes no sense. But if it's a festival, it's kind of just, yeah, it's a festival. It's a, it's a gathering of yeah. people. And like it's, a festival you know, as well, you have like specific areas which are like you have people walking around with fucking cardboard cutouts of, of the Instagram logo. You've got like, you know, hashtag walls where people are supposed to go and get the photos taken. Hot Press had a thing where it's like get your, get your picture on the cover of Hot Press and whatever. Like, you know, it's meant to be this kind of catch-all cultural events. There's so a lot like, of photos of you over the weekend, Dave, <laughs> by the way, I should just point out. Was there a lot of yeah. photos of me? <laughs> like, uh, well, there was a part where like, I was at Battles, and uh, after they were over, some girl came over to me and was like, oh, could you take our photo? And there was two <laughs> girls, right? And I went, yeah, of course. And I like, was like, give us the phone. Like, And she, uh, she goes, no, 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 I want to photograph with you. And I was like bemused by this. What did she think you were dressed as? I don't know. <laughs> and, I, and I went, oh, okay. And then like, I was just stood next to this girl I don't know. And I put my arm around her shoulder, not thinking. And I did the hover hand thing yeah. because I was just because I was just really. I need to see this photo. <laughs> that needs to come out. Yeah, I'm terrified. If you were listening, I'm it's all over Twitter. Watch out for this man. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm terrified that it's going to go viral. Is it or proper? Like, is, oh, it, is it close or is it higher? No, up? it's it's like it's it's like it's like so close that's to the, the be- that's the best one <laughs> when it's like, quite close it's nearly know, there I didn't know what I was really doing yeah. Yeah, I didn't yeah, know yeah, what I was doing you still find a couple of fibres yeah. from her shirt on <laughs> his hand afterwards yeah. so, I can, so I can be readily arrested um, so you feel the heat like <laughs> it was fucking reiki Dave that's your defence <laughs> reiki yeah, yeah. I took her spirit. <laughs> Jesus, her, her soul is mine. Her energy of this of the festival. How was it? Are you going to sue her? Yeah, 
<laughs> I think we could just gotta give Dave a minute to, to, to understand what Reiki actually is. <laughs> I'm not fucking conjuring. I mate. was just standing there minding my own business. Like, who the fuck would want to photograph with me? Like, I, I, I didn't get it. Maybe she's a big fan of the podcast or something. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. Audio yeah. medium. Like I say, yeah. If, if what, maybe she was on drugs. I don't want to cast aspersions. Thanks, Greg. Appreciate that. Uh, to not what other? Festival, I wouldn't think so. To what? Uh, to what other uh, photographs were you referring? Colm took a photograph of me wearing a woolly hat on the Sunday. Yeah, you were a fucking you were wearing a woolly hat, hat, like hat on the last day. day yeah. Of the year. yeah, what was that about? I had a bad hair day the previous day. And he there were ten minutes from your house. Glasses he wears. <laughs> he had to get his accessories right for Insta Life <laughs> yeah. for Forbidden Fruit. Yeah, that's it, man. The I, Indian I headdress I was a bit much day. Flexing for the gram, I believe yeah, yeah. is the phrase. Is that what it's called? Yeah, it is. But I'm not. I'm not on Instagram. I I don't do that shit. Just on everyone else's feed at this stage. Apparently so. Yeah, man, it's going to happen someday. Be like my wedding day or something and <laughs> that photograph you'll will be just, there in your woolly hat yeah, no, that photograph will surf it David Guetta DJing in the corner <laughs> oh. but um, yeah Brian Boyd's piece here uh, and incidentally Brian if you're listening um, how come I'm how come you've blocked me on Twitter mate I, I don't even know you alright <laughs> let it go mate. Come on. what but I like I about Brian Boyd I don't know he's not only a great writer he's a very discerning character <laughs> uh, uh. Yeah, well, but no, it's an interesting piece, and he, I kind of like what he talk when he talks about the kind of VIP sections that a lot of these festivals have, especially Electric Picnic, which we might see some of just when we get media wristbands. And you do see a lot of RTE types and just people mm. milling about. Oh yeah, filling the gaps because there's no real yeah. major celebrities there. Yeah. Although Bono was a forbidden fruit, uh, somehow drinking a beer which wasn't licensed by the festival. That's impressive, you have to say. How uh, did he do that? I don't know. It's sponsored by. Uh, oh, they did they they different writers out in the band area and stuff. Yeah, that's, true that. It's yeah. very impressive. A couple of my interviews. Um, Conor McGregor was yeah, yeah. there. Uh, I, I heard several people went up to ask for photos, and he basically told them to fuck off. But uh, well, yeah. if they could get to him, he'd, allegedly he had fairly large amount of security there. Yeah, it's one of those. I mean, like, like yeah, we've we've never really been full VIP because we're just lowly journalists, but we've been to like just you know, the media media areas yeah. before. Just the whole like, hierarchy. But like, what you don't you don't have to queue to the, for the toilet. You don't have to queue for the bar. Like, I mean, that's Great. about it, isn't it? Like, I that's mean, about it. Yeah. I kind of feel like Brian Boyd. I kind of feel like Brian Boyd took a bit of a cheap, easy shot here. I mean, it's very easy to be like, you know, yeah, festivals are full of kids who are a bit narcissistic, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. they are. Who gives a shit? At one point, he kind of says, you know, it's not like the days of Altamont. It's like, yeah, brilliant. That's good. <laughs> yeah. um, um, what's more, and like, good. I, like I say, the, the, the whole idea of taking on a festival crowd and, and tarring it with one brush is just such a complete folly because the whole point is that it's a fucking massive mismatch of, of different crowds. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And people are there to do what they want to do, not what you want them to do. Yeah. Yeah. And it might be five different people who are there to see five different bands and do five different fucking social activities while they're killing time. Yeah. Or half of the people at Electric Picnic who just stay in the campsite yeah, for the whole weekend. Yeah, yeah just drinking outside their tents. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, you know. When you guys play festivals and you're, you're finished up and you're kind of hanging around, uh, what's your what's your first protocol? Do you hit the campsite, break out the acoustic guitar? Is that your just, yeah, get the fire going, break out the acoustic guitar <laughs> straight away. Yeah. Just first song, that. Wonderwall. Wonderwall, yeah. And then... Um, uh, then there's no second song San because Diego you start song. to fire at a fucking music <laughs> festival. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. We we do a lot of different things. Like I suppose usually after we play a festival, we're probably out of there straight away. And if we're not, <laughs> and if we're not, we're just punters. Then for yeah, the night, you know, yeah. we'd be doing yeah, what yeah. other people would be doing. We'd be getting absolutely trashed yeah. and uh, <laughs> blind drunk and falling somewhere three hours later. <laughs> yeah. Throwing, Sounds about right. Throwing glass bottles at whoever's on stage. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, 
this week, as well as attending festivals and, uh, yeah, planning what sort of unruly behaviour we're going to be bringing to future festivals. Taking photographs of people that you don't know. We've also uh, been listening to uh, a new record to a band who actually have announced that they're going to be hitting the road, quite surprisingly. Casapalooza band. Yeah, it's Minor Victories. Yeah, that's 100 Ropes from Minor Victories. Um, we heard the first track from this kind of semi-super group a couple of months ago, and uh, yeah, it was impressive. Now we've got a full album. Dave, I guessed that you were kind of one to, to really be looking forward to the album. What do you make of it? Um, yeah, I was looking forward to the album. We've kind of previewed a bit of it uh, before it came out, as you've said. Supergroup, which has members of Mogwai, Slow Dive, Editors and make very kind of, you know, the kind of music that you would expect these people to make. Uh, shoegazy, with a bit of epic pop ambition in there at points. Uh, Ten-track album, which I'm very, very happy about, in this kind of time of album tracklisting bloat. Bit of brevity, yeah. Bit, bit of brevity uh, doesn't hurt. But interestingly enough, I found the album wasn't brief enough. Um, I kind of went from being initially very, very bowled over by it to eventually settling on a 7 out of 10 review, which I wrote for Drowned in Sound, and it's still very much a high recommend. I think it's an, I think it's an excellent debut. Um, I do kind of feel like it makes its point with two songs left to go. You don't really think I need the last two tracks on there. They're very very good. It's the very Thief is great. I would have said the penultimate one. No? Yeah. yeah, I mean, like, well, it's not that it isn't. It, it, it's it's it, kind of worn out. It's welcome by then. Or it's and the of... track that, that that's there before, I think Out to Sea is the name of it. Yeah, sounds like a beautiful. Feels ending. like a finisher. Feels like an ending. It feels like cool. We're done now. And like at the same time, I mean, by no means am I like sitting there fucking you know being like oh god wrap it up guys no but I do feel that the album actually it, it's a strange one I feel there's a lot of ambition here I feel like it's very understatedly well presented I feel the songs are all really enjoyable very interesting I think some of them are better than others but I do feel like they've you know I, I kind of it's it's hard to pin down and that's a good thing see I've got to pick you up on the lot of ambition though that is pretty much the opposite of how I felt about this record. Yeah. It, it, it felt to me as though, and if you didn't hear when we mentioned it in the podcast a few weeks ago, this was basically done entirely remotely. The four members of the band were never in the same place. Yeah. So it's just kind of sending files back to one another. Um, I feel as though there was almost an overbearing politeness at play here, where they never stepped out of their own box they yeah. never challenged somebody to kind of go out it's of their comfort zone it's very much a zone. comfort zone record yeah I was reminded when I was listening to it and very first listen um, that last year I talked to Matt Berninger from the National when he'd done the Elvoy record yeah and what he said to me at that time was like one of the fun parts was surprising each other a little bit Brent had sent me something then I'd send it back but without a chorus and 20 BPM faster then he'd send it back to me and have done a whole bunch of things I wouldn't have seen coming it was like a game of hot potato when we tried to challenge and surprise one another listening to this record I don't think there's a single moment where 
any of the four members would have opened up their emails and listened to a sound file and gone, holy shit, wasn't expecting yeah, that. not at all, no. It sounds like the, the pieces they would have been sending to each other just fit nicely into place. Mm. And it's kind of record that it's, it's like hard to pick faults in it, really, because it is very well done and the songs are kind of strong enough, but it just kind of passes you by a bit, doesn't I it? I felt a little bit when it, because I, I love Slow Dive and I love Mogwai. Yeah. And when I heard the, the first kind of track, I was like, this is fucking amazing. Yeah. Then I listened to the whole record and... None of it. It obviously all sounds amazing. It sounds beautiful, and it's but oh, it, the production is pristine. Yeah, it's perfect. It's but it doesn't. It doesn't. None of it grabs me at any point. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, none of it grabs me. And it's funny, yeah. like when Dave said, you know, like it could lose the last tracks. I mean, I find it even hard to pin down certain tracks in the album that, if they were missing, I think would change it massively. To be perfectly honest, like I have ones that I prefer, and I've ones that you know I might lose quicker. But I just feel as though yeah you could probably reshuffle you could probably take things out leave things in and it it wouldn't change that much because it is that slightly formulaic sort of thing I mean Stuart Brightweight said as much himself then he said you know don't expect any surprises on this or you know words to that effect and it's kind of you know he might have been being Stuart Brightweight but it's actually true yeah um what did you think of the Mark Koslick contribution? Because that was actually one of the high points for me because it just took you a bit out of that shoegaze. Yeah. Sh- um, well, I mean, well, first of all, I mean, like, real quick, what I would say is, I mean, perhaps ambition was the wrong word there. I mean, like, perhaps it's more a case of, like, I kind of admired just that they were, you know, that this even project even exists, I guess. I mean, like, like, I think there's a lot to admire in there. Uh, and actually, when I when I talk about ambition or whatever, like, I'm, I am kind of referring to the feature tracks on there, which are the, the weak links for me personally. I, I quite like Mark Oslek. Um doesn't always work. See, for example, his recent cover of Modest Mouse Float On for something that should just never be. It just doesn't work. Yeah, he, he either knocks it out of the park or it's just almost cringy. Yeah, but, just, for, <laughs> but, but for example, he, like, he put out a record this year with um, Justin Broderick, a.k.a. Yezu, and it's a challenging listen that doesn't always work, but I respect it for that very kind of reason. And it is that thing of like some of the tracks you're just like, okay, melding these two sounds together, the kind of the melancholic shoegaze drone effect of Yezu with Marcos like just talking about what he did that day. At times it sounds almost fucking like self-parody, but if you let it kind of meld into you, it does work. On this, I think he's fine on the track that he shows up on, yeah. uh, For You Always, I, think, I believe it's called. For You Always, yeah. But I feel like Rachel Goswell can't compete with him. And it's strange because it's meant to be this kind of like, you know, elliptical thing of them just kind of going back and forth and like kind of like a misconnection thing. They're talking about their friendship and how they, oh, maybe they could have got together and there was always something in the way. And yeah. you just don't buy it. It's not that they don't buy pairing. it. I think the sentiment of it is lovely and they, they are apparently very, very close and it all makes sense. But I think it's more of her vocal delivery. She sounds almost out of breath at points, even though it's not a very challenging vocal melody. And look, I'm not a fucking singer. I don't know, you know, but like. I just kind of came away from it going, like, that's Mark Hall's, like doing his thing, and the arrangement's a bit busy. Kind of remind me of a Hamilton Lighthouser song from his very underappreciated solo record um, from a couple of years ago. But it's not that in any way that's bad. I'm just kind of like, could take it or leave it. That track, though, has been the one that a lot of critics have said, oh, just totally doesn't work. Pitchfork, incidentally, thought it was the best one. And you... Mm-hmm. I quite like it, yeah. Well, again, just maybe just because it took me out of the rest of the record. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and what's more, Rachel Goswell, as you pointed out she was taken out of the rest of the record it's probably the only point at which you can say that anyone is actually sort of out of their comfort zone yeah and frankly i think though it illustrates the point that you know they were so reticent to do it when you look at the ease with which mark kozalik did it i mean it sounds like a sun kill moon song yeah because his sheer presence has just overpowered this thing which they seem quite reluctant to define Mm. 
The other one, though, with the feature, um, is James Graham, is that his name? From the Twilight Side? I think that's his name. Yeah. Yes, I believe so. Uh, song for Richard, Scattered Ashes. Yeah. Dancing in Dark, isn't it? Is that the Dancing in the Dark song? Well, I was It sounds get- like Geraldine by Glass Vegas. I was, getting some like broken so- I, was, I was getting some broken social scene vibes from it. And it's fine, but it's just a bit kind of like... I kind of feel like, you know, like in the review I wrote, I kind of said guests show up offering pleasantries, but you aren't begging them to stay. Because it's like, I don't need featured artists on this record. I kind of feel like, I almost feel like this would have been better as an EP. Um, like maybe yeah. a five, oh, yeah, five track EP. I actually kind of agree. I think this would have been better as an EP. And I think that once they found their feet with an EP, then they might have been more likely to take risks or to push the boat out a little bit more mm-hmm. if they then decided to do an album. Yeah, and that's kind of what I mean by by ambition. I mean, like, at 10 tracks, it does feel like they're stretching the thread. And look, I mean, like, bad example, but like that fucking Warcraft movie that's out at the moment. I went to a screening of that recently expecting to hate it. And it's a mess. And I couldn't really call it a good film. But I admire a noble failure. Do you know what I mean? Like, like, and, I, and I wouldn't, but again, like, we all sound like we're really damning this record with fame praise. There's a lot to like. I mean, like, it starts yeah. off, um, there's a song there called Cogs, which sounds better than anything that the last My Buddy Valentine record threw up for me, personally. Um, That's incorrect, but go on. <laughs> uh, there is a, the 100 Ropes, which you listen to, I think has a really cool kind of, you know, out on the moors It almost sounds a bit like, vibe. you know that fight scene in Only God Forgives? Yeah. You know, kind of weird, yeah. haunt, you know, kind of... Yeah, that's, jo- yeah. and I love that soundtrack and I really like that movie. Um, so yeah, I, I think that there's an awful lot here which is quite enjoyable, but yeah, it's almost like it's just a bit blown up. Well, I think it's also the point that you made that, you know, when you see it's Rachel Gossel, it's Stuart Braithwaite, it's Justin Lockie from Editors, you're thinking this combination could be gold. Mm. So you do probably go in with higher expectations. Yeah. Some of my buddies went to see them in um, Village Underground in London recently when they played and the show was just a bit of a bit of a all over the shop. Okay. Um, she was singing from an auto cue and then they kept on, they started maybe, they started songs three or four times, you know, to get them right. And, so, and it was, it wasn't done in a way which was like a camaraderie between the audience and them. It was very right. much road testing not, almost. This, like, it was, but yeah. not in a way of like, you know, you're with us and we're yeah, doing yeah, this yeah, together. Yeah, it was really a little bit awkward Stand at times. Yeah. Well, as we say, Castle Palooza bound. One hopes that they'll be in a little bit more of a swing at that point. Um, in the meantime, though, as far as the album is concerned, let's get some scores. Dave? It's a seven for me, and uh, also Folk Arp is one of my songs of the year. Uh, three stars, six out of ten. <laughs> it's uh, seven. And I'm going six as well. Um, probably hope for a little bit more, but uh, but them's the breaks. Uh, in terms of other <laughs> Jesus sorry Stuart in terms of other records that are out uh, Dave I know you've been listening to Jake Bug I have uh, incessantly I've been sent the record so many times by uh, five times five times now. by the label it's out of control at this age it's, it's, it's like that gag in American Psycho where they keep getting complimentary Bellini sent to their table and they're like I swear to Christ if I see one of those fucking trays of Bellinis one more time I had a bit of an issue because Play MPE the music service that we occasionally get issued albums on is an absolute nightmare to use and I, I second that. Can I just, yeah, it's yeah. the worst. Every fucking. Can we please stop using Play MP. Every journalist uh, seconds this. Like, the app you, doesn't yeah. work. It's terrible. Um, I, I don't know if you guys have ever had the pleasure, but basically, no. like certain labels yeah. will only instead of giving you a download or a you know physical copy or whatever, you can only stream it on this service called Play MPE, and you have a login, you get in there, and it's just this kind of archaic, almost like a fucking Winamp skin that you have to. Yeah, it's not as good with. as Winamp. It's not it's as good as Winamp. Constantly crashes. Constantly crashes. 
it takes forever between songs. Uh, if you like leave the room for a second and your computer goes into sleep mode or whatever, like it it it, it doesn't understand that the mobile app is it, it just. Yeah. Forget about it. Yeah, forget about your mobile app. <laughs> like uh, numerous problems, and like one one for example was I was listening to the Shakebug album at home, and I listened to it again when I was elsewhere, and then like I, I then I it vanished. I was locked out completely, and I was like because it's IP locked because it was like you know you have to be in the same fucking IP address that it's registered to, otherwise they think that you're pirating it. Yeah, yeah. I had to contact some guy about getting it back in. Anyway, this... <laughs> it was a whole thing. to full journalist mode here. The main, reason, no I bring, the main reason I bring it up is that, Dave, there's a particular song... The album's half an hour long, okay? And, like, this is... It shouldn't be this complicated. Well, a four-minute chunk of it complicated yeah. your brain it more has. than it ever should and be. And it continues to. This is, a, this is Love, Hope, and Misery. Have a listen. Okay, that was Love, Hope, and Misery by Jake Bug. Okay, this uh, this song has kind of been driving me crazy a little bit. Uh, because, right, I here's the thing with Jake Bug. I don't have any previous with the guy, really, apart from anything I've heard, which were singles, I didn't like. Uh, Craig, I believe you've interviewed him? Yeah. Um, I wasn't expecting much, but I thought he was a very down-to-earth chap. Okay. Um, and had a really good conversation. He's quite a shy guy, um, and I think he's a bit prickly around journalists. But um, if you just kind of talk about the music and actually have a conversation, he was he kind of opened up and he was a very nice chap. Yeah. So okay, he's twenty-two. This is his third record, the new one. It's called "On My One," which is Nottingham slang for "On My Own." And I kind of went into it going, "Okay, I'm probably not going to like this. I don't think he's for me." Yada yada yada. The album itself, we'll get into more in depth in a future episode, but it's a strange one. And this song, "Love of Misery," I. I quite liked it. I like the first time I heard it. I was like, oh, you know what? I really, really, I think I really fucking like this. I've, I'm I've very li- surprised by the way. I know. So, th- so was I. Uh, maybe it was <laughs> the naked angst, the kind of mood I was in at the time. You know. Um, so basically, I don't like it as much as I did originally, but <laughs> and I reserve the right to show up. It's not name. a very good song, <laughs> <laughs> but I think the reason why I like it is because it sounds like about two hundred different songs, and I put it up on Twitter, and the amount of like people had. So many different suggestions, all of which are valid. Um, one was, it sounds like I Will Follow You Into the Dark by Dead Cab for Cutie. I can hear that. Mm. Craig, that you think it sounds like? Bohemian Rhapsody. Just a mama bit. Yeah, I can hear that. Cullum. Uh, Flaming Lips, Yoshimi Battles of Pink Robots. That's the first time I've heard that, and it's probably valid. I'll need to assess that. I've had people say it sounds like uh, the strings part of Unchained Melody by the Righteous Brothers what's more I mean like I hadn't heard this song There's until more. Dave said it sounds like everything and then this morning of all fucking things I was listening to like a Norwegian pop band <laughs> of course and, you were uh, yeah Razika's Guttani uh, Don Ariaka sounds exactly like this oh. it's fucking bizarre 
So yeah, that's Jake Bugs, one of those love, songs. Hope and misery. Well, hang on, I need to find the, the. There has been a definitive shout by a friend of ours um, who believes that it sounds like this thing, and because again, like our, our friend Harry, uh, who doesn't use Twitter, but sent me an email one day that the subject header was Twitter lurk, and he just the email then says the first half is the verse of Umbrella, the second half is the chorus of For Your Eyes Only. Um, which is and it, like all of this makes the sound the song sound way more interesting than it actually is when you listen to it. I threw <laughs> yeah. I threw the alternative suggestions that we've already mentioned back at him, and I said, he said he goes all those suggestions are wrong. I as usual am right. I said I don't know, man. It's a confusing thing, and he wrote back and said, no, it isn't. Observe, and then he proceeds to detail it <laughs> and like, kind of illustrate his point quite well. Wraps up by saying. That being said, it's a hateful little song, and that young man has a hateful little voice. George Formby for the WhatsApp generation. Yeah, I think it's a, bit I, of a whiny one. I, I think the, I called the him voice, not the email. Um, well, the email is incredibly kind of... similar. Uh, back when I reviewed him uh, two years ago, he also, by the way, to be fair, had the misfortune of, of playing to a crowd of lads who were trying to follow the Ireland-Germany game on their phones in the middle of the crowd. All right. And John O'Shea scored somewhere around the first, like, solo acoustic number. During the show. Yeah. Oh, my God. At which point, this, like, group of lads who'd just been, you know, kind of like keeping an eye on their phone, suddenly just burst out leaping around the guy, <laughs> fucking chanting ole ole's, because over in Gelsenkirchen we'd equalised. Um, yeah. You were, That's uh, a Brian Boyd piece right there. You were shaking your head quite vehemently there, Dara. But... Was I? I wasn't even aware. <laughs> I think you're empathising with, with poor Jake Bug. I kind of was in a way because I, you know, he was probably football probably getting in the way of life. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's that's the way it's going to be for the next month. I'm afraid. Um, I'm going to go underground. Getting into yeah some serious football. Uh, in the meantime, all about the Euros, baby. When there is some time, uh, check out the rest of our friends on the Headstuff Podcast Network. That's right, Cullum. There are other friends of ours on the Headstuff Podcast Network. Uh, no Encore is just one of five podcasts on the network itself. There's the Headstuff Podcast, which is the original Mac Daddy of them all, which basically led to this one. Alan Bennett runs that one, and he usually has interesting people on for interesting chats. The Alison Spittle Show is a comedy live recorded in the workman's usually uh, kind of graham norton-esque setup very interesting check it out uh juvenilia is a twice a month i believe fortnightly podcast that we're currently having a bit of a feud with alan mcguire heads that one up and they talk about you know kind of things from your childhood that had an impact on you and i, I feel like me and alan are never going to be friends but you know i'm still here plugging his podcast because i'm just a very professional character Company, man. and uh fascinated by garrard farrelly is also very interesting uh, i believe most of those people involved actually were at forbidden fruit and you interviewed Alison Spittle. I did indeed. We had a great chat on Sunday morning. Stuart Clark interviewed Garrard Farley. They're good people. You know, they're, they're making <laughs> they, waves. They, they're good people. And of course, if you listen uh, to Annie and all of the Headstuff podcasts, uh, do subscribe. Yeah, subscribe via iTunes, Android, or, you know, whatever your, your preferred method is. Rate and review the show. Leave us kind words. And, <laughs> kind uh, words. We'll take your feedback on board for sure. Yeah. So, uh, and of course... <laughs> We'll be back next week. We'll be back next week. I won't. Um, why? Brian Jones, Sam Oscar. Oh, yeah, crazy bailing. Gig. Got to go and see it. Aren't you up at 6am that day? Yeah, and yeah. the next day I'm in for 4 or 6, kind of. I'm up at, I'm up at half 4. I'm looking, forward to you report- <laughs> I'm looking forward to you reporting on that the following week, mate. Yeah, okay. Uh, well, before we let Funeral Suits go, there is a small matter of them playing a concert, playing a pop concert in Dublin. We're all going to be there. A pop concert. A pop concert, Amazing. yeah. It's a, what is it, like, it's some kind of weird ELO type thing, isn't it? It's like a, yeah, we we play things on stage and stuff. It's, it's like a live yeah. performance. We just go, ooh. <laughs> and some mics for like, 
It's like electrified Ten as well. minutes. Up to 40 minutes of us doing that. <laughs> this sounds like my sort of night out. It's going to be good, man. We're going to be in the crowd watching. Where and when? It's in Whelan's on the 7th of July. Sweet. The right. 8th. The 8th of July. The 8th of July. The 8th of July. We're going to be in Get the crowd. Get there a day early. We're, <laughs> we're going to be in the crowd watching football on our phones. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. I think they, if I'm correct, they've timed it well. There's no game on the 8th of July. All right. Very good. Very good. We'll watch last night's game of football. <laughs> you can watch Match of the Day. I wouldn't have that, would they? We have the would football no, plane yeah. at the gig. So you'll be Well, they have Match of the Day of the Euros. Yeah. Yeah, but even even then, there's none on the 8th. This third and fourth like playoff is on. Why is Match of the Day not on? <laughs> Why? You can spot a man who spent his entire week writing a fucking preview of the tournament. Sure can. The noses. Can we, uh, can days we, and days can we kick hard. a football around during the gig? Yeah. Like, will you be able to. You do whatever you fuck you want. Can man. you do a header, like, in the middle of a. Solo, yeah. Uh, af- after the songs, you can judge them, but it's gone one nil. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Back of the net, yeah. own goal. Yeah. Fantastic. Uh, if you're not suits, thank you so much for coming in. Cheers, man. Woo. Cheers, guys. Thank you. And uh, to your unreasonably well-behaved gallery in the corner there, I, I, I felt like it never got out of control. They just sat there. It was ha- it was going to happen at one point. And yeah. then it- it's very warm. It's very warm in the studio. Yes. Um, so yeah, um, that was that was no encore for this week, and we're gonna have some exit music as we often do. Uh, this is slow pace like home, and if you're wondering who or what that is with a name like that, slow pace like home is the brainchild of producer musician Keith Mannion, based in the forests of Donegal in the northwest of Ireland. He has already released a series of EPs and a debut album to critical acclaim. He's uh, received lots of kind of major notices from the likes of the BBC, the Irish Times, and uh, me right now, and he's actually uh, playing the Workmen's Club. <laughs> alongside Carriages and friend of the show Bantam in July. So look out for that one. This is Tiger Lily. Uh, my name is Dave Hanratty. This has been No Encore. There will be No Encore. Night night.
Fucking nice, nice. <laughs> this has been a production of the Headstuff Podcast Network. Hello. Uh, Shit. <laughs> great start. Let's try, let's try again. Can we leave that in? I'm sure Alan. Yeah, will, yeah. Uh, yeah uh, uh, Alan, our editor, likes to uh, to get involved. Hello. <sighs> The only thing better than grinding all night for your side hustle is your roommate picking you up with Mickey D's breakfast. The perfect pickup deal. There's a deal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, taste breakfast perfection when you get a warm and savory sausage McMuffin with egg for just $2.50. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.